in three, two, one. Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson here, the Appraiser's Advocate. Thanks for listening. And we call this one part two. Does my neighborhood really need to be analyzed? In a previous podcast, we started talking specifically about neighborhood analysis, as Fannie Mae understands the issue. So we're going to continue on with that, quite frankly. In this particular podcast, we're going to talk about the degree of development and growth rate, trends of property values, demand and supply, and marketing time, and price range, and predominant price. Now, again, this is right out of the Fannie Mae Selling Guide, specifically Section B, 4-1.3-03, and that is called Neighborhood Section of the Appraisal Report. When Fannie Mae talks about the degree of development and growth rate, what it really means is the form wants to know how much of the neighborhood is built up. In other words, of the available land, how much is developed? Now, it doesn't make any difference with what, how much of it is developed with single-family residences, condos, industrial properties, commercial properties, whatever. That's not important. What is important at this point is Fannie Mae wants to know how much of the neighborhood is built up rather than vacant or, in some cases, raw land. As Fannie Mae looks at this percentage, it comes to understand the available land in the neighborhood that has been improved, and it wants to know this. It wants to know this because it's interested in knowing where growth is going. Is growth going anywhere? Is there room for growth? Is the neighborhood in a growth stage, in a steady stabilization stage, in a decline phase, in a revitalization phase? It wants to know all of that stuff. Simply because, as we have already talked about, Fannie Mae is interested in understanding the risks inherent in any particular neighborhood. So it wants to know the percentage of land that is developed residentially because Fannie Mae doesn't lend on non-residential properties. If the property in the neighborhood is rural or undeveloped, the lender has got to focus on making sure that the development is going to be residential in nature rather than something else. Again, this is a risk factor we help Fannie Mae come to understand. Now, part of this, part, part of understanding what's going to happen in the neighborhood is a function of zoning, which is also a very uh, a deep portion of highest and best use, the characteristics of the property. In other words, is there a mix of architectural styles? Is there a mix of sizes? Is there a mix of ages? Or is it relatively homogeneous? And then Fannie Mae wants to know about the present land use. What is it? Why is it that way? Is it changing? Why is it changing? What is it changing to? The appraiser's analysis of these determines if the neighborhood is a typical residential property for that neighborhood. In other words, all you're telling Fannie is, hey, I'm appraising a single-family house in a neighborhood of single-family houses. The zoning permits single-family houses. Land uses permit single-family houses. The zoning isn't changing. The land use isn't changing. Therefore, the risk of this house becoming something other than a single-family house is essentially zero. And Fannie Mae wants to understand about risk. Fannie looks very carefully at larger-than-typical lots. Are they residential in nature? Why are they so much bigger? 
Do they have other than a residential use? This is where excess land and surplus land comes into play. And Fannie wants to know about these. Not that they won't lend on them. They'll, they'll be happy to. But Fannie wants to know if they lend on a piece of property and they encumber it with a mortgage, is the, is the property owner going to try to sell some excess land or put to another use some surplus land? Fannie doesn't really like any of those. So Fannie wants to know about those two items. How does a larger than typical lot fit into the neighborhood? Now, it may mean nothing other than that lot hasn't been subdivided yet and developed with, say, two or three houses. It also could mean that this particular house is going to stand out in the middle of nowhere because while everything else is a quarter-acre site and this is a two-acre site, and that may make it difficult down the road for Fannie Mae to sell it if Fannie Mae has to take it back in foreclosure. So it wants to understand not only if a site has a larger than typical lot, but what is a typical lot. And if the typical lot's a quarter of an acre, 0.25 acres, and one site is 0.275 acres, no, that's no big deal. But if the typical lot is a quarter of an acre and a site is two acres, then that's an issue Fannie wants to know about it. What happens if this larger than typical site is underimproved? In other words, you got a three acre site with a 900 square foot house on it. Now, that's a perfectly legitimate use of that land, and the owner may be very happy with it. But let's face it, in that particular situation, the value of that site might be in buying it, tearing the house down, subdividing the lot, and then selling two or three or four lots, however many lots the zoning would add. Well, Fannie wants to know about that. That's part of the risk analysis we provide to Fannie. Fannie wants to know if an atypically large site is underimproved with what's there. If it is, then what's there is, by definition, not the highest and best use. It's an underimprovement, and the appraiser has to analyze that. If the property is underimproved, is that going to be a marketability issue if the property is foreclosed? If the property is going to present a higher than typical risk for a mortgage, then we've got to take a look, a seriously close look at the highest and best use and let Fannie know if the highest and best use is as is or if the highest and best use is as developed with something else. When Fannie Mae is looking at a neighborhood, it looked generally at three areas, trends of property values, supply of properties in the subject neighborhood, and marketing times for properties. You know that, that's right on the form. When it comes to property values, it says increasing, stable, or declining. We have to mark one of those. That mark is important. That checkbox, which box we check, is important. But what's even more important, however, is why we have chosen to check that box. So if values are increasing, we need to have support for that conclusion. The same thing for declining, and quite frankly, the same thing for stable, but that's a whole lot easier to support. How about the supply of properties in the neighborhood? Is that neighborhood hot, hot, hot? In other words, if, the pro if a property in that neighborhood is on the market for more than, say, a week, then is it overpriced? Or is there something wrong with it? That's a hot market. Fannie wants to know why a market is hot. Is it simply because there are so few other houses? Or is it because people are moving out of another neighborhood into this neighborhood? Why is that market hot? What about the opposite? What if there's an oversupply of properties? Why is there an oversupply? Does this mean that the neighborhood is in decline? Does this merely mean that there aren't enough houses yet under construction? It could mean, an, or rather an undersupply could mean a hot neighborhood, but just nobody started to build in it yet because builders haven't caught up with it. 
In other words, Fannie is saying, please, whether there's a shortage or an oversupply, just tell us why. Don't tell us that there is. We can get that out of your report. But tell us why that oversupply exists. Why that undersupply exists. The same holds true for marketing times. Less than three months, three to six months, over six months. Why? Now, typically, if property values are increasing, then the supply of property should be in shortage and the marketing time should be less than three months. When this is not true, and there are times when it is, when this is not true, we've got to explain what it is that's pushing up property values. It clearly isn't an excessive demand. So what is it? Financing? Is it temporary? Was there a flood in another neighborhood and everybody has, has had to move out of neighborhood A into neighborhood B while their homes are repaired, replaced, etc., so they can move back? Explain to Fannie what's going on and why. Part of the neighborhood's analysis, part of the appraiser's analysis of a neighborhood is the current listings, the pending contracts, in addition to recent sales. Now, most appraisers get their data from MLS, which is perfectly fine. MLS has listing data, pending contract data, and properties off-market data. Fannie is looking for an analysis of those as well. Are the number of current listings up? Are they down? Are they dynamically stable over the last year? What is it? Now remember, when it comes to sales, Fannie Mae has no time limit on recent sales, nor has it ever had a time limit. All it has said is, if you're going to use sales over six months old, that's okay. Just explain why you've had to do so. It may be that the best sales were eight months ago, and the more recent sales have been of properties that are not truly competitive uh, with and, and comparable to the subject. So again, sales over six months old are perfectly acceptable. Just explain why. It's very important that appraisers explain if property values are decreasing because that presents risk, and Fannie's investors don't like risk. They're willing to buy those mortgages. That's not a problem, but then they want to buy them at a discount to account for that risk. So if prices are falling, explain to Fannie why they're falling, not merely that they're falling. Then explain if it's a long-term trend or a short-term trend. Again, it may simply be a short-term trend because people are moving out of neighborhood A into neighborhood B, well, neighborhood A is repaired from a flood or something like that. Whereas it may be a long-term trend because the average chronological age of a house in that neighborhood is 75 years. Thus, the market is changing. Prices are going to drop until somebody moves in and says, okay, this price has dropped far enough that I can buy the house, repair it, renovate it, and then flip it. At that point, prices will start to go back up. Fannie Mae needs to know this. Therefore, we talk about, is the trend long-term or short-term? Now, this is extremely important. Please understand this. And this is a quote right out, of, right out of the selling guide. Quote, when completing the one-unit housing trends portion of the neighborhood section of the appraisal report forms, the trends must be reflective of those properties, here's the important part, of those properties deemed to be competitive to the subject property being appraised. In other words, if your subject house is your basic 3-2 and the basic 3-2s have been selling from 195 to 240, that's what Fannie wants to see in the lower to higher numbers of price ranges. It doesn't want to see the one ones because they are not competitive to the property being appraised. 
it doesn't want to see the four threes because they're not competitive to this property being appraised. Now, the appraiser has the judgment call to determine which properties are competitive. But what that means is just because a house sold in a neighborhood doesn't mean it's competitive with the subject. Therefore, the price range should be for properties that are competitive with and comparable to the subject. If you want to list every sale in the neighborhood, the one ones went from 75 to 102, the three twos went from 150 to 225, and things bigger went from 280 to whatever, that's okay. Just disclose it as the absolute range. But otherwise, what Fannie Mae is looking here is the price range of properties comparable to and competitive with the subject. The reason for this is because Fannie wants to ensure that the analysis that the appraiser presents is on properties that are competitive with the subject. Otherwise, the analysis doesn't tell Fannie and its investors anything about the risks of the neighborhood. So keep it centered toward the subject. Let's break this down into something important. Let's suppose that your subject were on a lake. It's a lakefront property. Your neighborhood is not within a one-mile radius. Your neighborhood is only those houses around the lake. And the reason for this is simple. Somebody who can afford a million-dollar-plus house on a lake is going to look for a million-dollar-plus house on a lake. That person, even though they can afford it, is not going to look at the, at the non-lakefront property literally across the street. Why? Because they want a lakefront property, not merely a house in a lake neighborhood. This is probably counterintuitive to what you've heard, what you've been taught over your career. But when you're dealing with customized properties like this, your neighborhood is other lakefront properties. It's not the property across the street because it is not competitive with or comparable to the subject. In other words, even though you can afford a $400,000 house, you don't want a $400,000 house. You want a million-dollar house on the lake. You want to look at the water. Again, comparables have to be just that, comparable and competitive. And the neighborhood is made up of comparable and competitive properties, not just merely properties in the area. Fannie wants to know if there is a bifurcated, meaning a stratified or segmented market in that particular neighborhood. In this lakefront neighborhood, there is. The strata, the segmentation, is you've got the houses around the lake, and then you've got the houses that aren't around the lake. So as a result, you have at least two strata. And if you want to describe both of them in the report, go ahead. But your comps are not going to be non-lakefront properties. They're going to be other properties on the lake. Another area in which there is some controversy is the issue of predominant price. Now, please understand, a lot, of, a lot of appraisers in the addenda like to type predominate price. It's not predominate, it's predominant. P-R-E-D-O-M-I-N-A-N-T, predominant price. These are properties that are, that are generally competitive with and comparable to the subject. Go ahead and Google a box and whisker graph. That is a great tool to find out where the sales lie. Basically, what you do is in any spreadsheet, you make a column of sales prices. Again, these are properties that are competitive with and comparable to the subject. Then 
you highlight that column of numbers. Then you go to your graphing function and you say, hello, Excel, please give me a box and whisker graph on these data. And it does just that. It takes the absolute high and marks it as that. It takes the absolute low and marks it as that. And then somewhere along that line, it draws a box. And that box contains the majority of the sales prices from that list of sales prices you highlighted and asked Excel to manipulate. Plus, somewhere in that box is a horizontal line that gives you the median sales price of that particular range. Now, those are the predominant prices. The absolute low is just that. It's the absolute low. It's not the absolute low of the predominant prices. The absolute high is just that. It's the absolute high of all the prices, not the, not the high of the predominant prices. So a box and whisker graph is going to help you analyze the sales to determine where they tend to bunch up. And that is basically what Fanny is looking for, not the absolute high and the absolute low which may reflect, quite frankly, more the taste of a single buyer than exactly what the market is thinking at any given time. Now, we're through with this part of the neighborhood analysis, although there's going to be another podcast on this in the not terribly distant future. Please go to my website, theappraisersadvocate.com. I have there a book on neighborhood analysis that shows you how to answer the 36 questions that Fannie Mae says you must answer relative to neighborhood analysis. That will help you out a lot. This is the shameless commerce part of my podcast. Please go and buy that book. It will help you understand neighborhood analysis. Now that I've gotten through the shameless marketing part of the podcast, let me thank you for tuning in today. Let me thank you for being here today. Let me thank you for listening. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be with you. It's an honor to work with you. Please let me extend my best to you and your family. Again, I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. If you have a question, please get in touch with me, tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. I really do look forward to hearing from my fellow appraisers. Please be safe and well. Thank you so much. We're clear. Pausing here because I don't know what I'm talking about.